Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Welcome back, Otterites. This is episode 143. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. So welcome to an Our Heroes episode, uh, Otterites. A fun one. The King of Cool, Steve McQueen. Um, you know, this fits in this whole idea of appreciating for the craft and all of that. Because he was a tremendous actor. Yes, he was. Um, but just, uh, you know, this unique, interesting person. Um, so, Otterich, you'll know him, of course, from a lot of incredible movies from the, really from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Uh, so, he maybe goes back a little far for the current generation, but he was cool before Fonzie was cool. Yes. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and he died young. He's 50 years old when he died. Yeah. He, uh, no telling what he would have continued on with. Uh, I mean, at one point, he was the highest paid movie actor in, in, in the world. Yeah. 74. Yeah. yeah. And he was worth it. Yeah. That was six <laughs> years before he dies. You know, he's, so, he's, at, he's just coming off his height. Yeah. So, of course, famous for some of my favorite movies, The Great Escape, The Magnificent Seven. Um, the Towering Inferno. Yeah. It was big. It was, it was a big huge. deal. It was 74. He deal. had the lead, and it yeah. was that was at the he height. He was of, bigger than Paul Newman. Very, yeah, which is, it was. You know, it was really one of the disaster movie precursors. I mean, it was yeah, really it, the, it's what it's what made the money that people the studio said, "Well, let's do a few more of these." Yeah, it made what famous people in danger, uh, kind of deal. So, uh, give you a little background. Um, difficult childhood, born in the Midwest in Indiana. Uh, moved back and forth between his mother and her family on a farm. Uh, then back and forth to Los Angeles. Of course, everybody in the Midwest uh, back in the day thought, well, well, let's move to Los Angeles. It's all milk and honey there. And of course, we've explored that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> Not so much. For a few, but only a few. Yeah. Eventually, uh, his mother would, of course, marry a couple more times and have he'd have abusive stepfathers. Uh, that's almost a cliche, I think, but it was real. It happened to him. He ends up um, at what was called a boy's ranch, boy's republic. Um, when he's uh, 14, I think it is. And it's there that he starts to kind of mature and be someone that other people gravitated to. He eventually becomes kind of the leader of the boys' council that helps set up the rules and things. California Junior Boys Republic in Chino. In Chino, California. Yes, yeah, so this is what I find interesting because his early life mirrors his King of Cool image because he was caught stealing hubcaps and was basically persuaded, uh, uh, the mother was persuaded to sign a quarter to acknowledging he was... Incorrigible, incorrigible, sending him off to this boys' ranch. This yep. Junior yep. Boys Republic. So um, it's mm. a life that could have really went bad. Oh yes, uh, because I mean, literally, he is a teenage delinquent, a petty criminal, and he doesn't lose that personality either. He was famous, famous for being absolutely combative with directors and producers, well, anti-authoritarian, uh, uh, authority, and, and all yeah. the way. That's right, and yet. He joins the most authoritarian branch of the military. He became a Marine. He becomes a Marine very early on. I think, was he... What's 47. He wasn't even a, uh, 18. He yet. wasn't even 18. Joins the Marines. But he, he learns a lot of structure. And he, he matures and understands that he can make his life 
go somewhere. He's learning. So this is, you know, is this unique spot of I can turn my life around, and he really does it almost just by himself. Well, you know, sort of. So from again, you guys are probably more knowledgeable about him and and what have you than I am. But you know, from what I've seen. He really did it with the help of the Marines. It wasn't just by himself. Yeah, so that's... he has a very early uh, rocky relationship, as you would expect, mm-hmm. given his background. Yeah, uh, he ends up going AWOL and gets uh, you know basically six weeks in in the brig, and it was that that basically I guess scared him straight. Yeah, you know? I mean he was did well enough to get promoted, enough to be demoted back to uh, private. <laughs> yeah, seven times. So, you know, that's no mean feat to get demoted seven times, which means you have to have been promoted seven times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, you know, he struggled with that discipline, but it eventually served him well and used that uh, and kind of embraced that discipline and turned himself around. And he, he credits that himself. He made the quotation. He <clears> said, uh, that's what made a man out of him. Yeah. Uh, that's truly, he, he realized that he could get along with other people and make something of himself because of what his time in the Marines. So... It really, it really was very... That's yeah. what made Steve McQueen. Anyways. Yeah. And in the meantime, of all things, he's learning how to race cars, race motorcycles, uh, and then, of course, realizes he has to really learn the craft if he's going to be an actor. Yeah. And he really works at it. Right out of the Marine Corps. That's what he decides yeah. he want to do. And he, uh, he had the GI Bill, and he went and got him a... Uh, acting school credits, and he did okay. I mean, he did, it was it wasn't much, but he's he's doing. By the end of the decade, he's starring in movies. Not starring, he's he's appearing in movies. He's starting to appear in films. Uh, he gets a really big break uh, with a television show, Wanted Dead or Alive, uh, very famous. Uh, he carries what became known as the Mayor's Leg. It's a rifle, not a handgun. Uh, a Winchester lever action, but it's been shortened and the stock sawed off. Hmm. So it's a you know a gimmick, but it's a gimmick for the TV show that really catches on. And then uh, like a rifleman's rifle, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a gimmick. It's a gimmick, but he's successful enough in this show. He begins to get noticed. Again, he gets pulled into Westerns. Westerns are still huge yeah, in the I mean, 60s. Yeah, this is late 50s at this point, yeah. uh, in 58, which, I mean, almost every evening television programming is the 30-minute Western. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's everywhere. I yeah, mean, I mean, this is the... It's the height of that the genre. Time of, of every, all the TV shows in the 50s. If they're not... If they don't involve Lucille Ball, they're probably a Western. Well, <laughs> very well put. That's right, yes. God bless Lucille Ball, though. Yes, indeed. She she is one of the uh, one of the I greatest of her craft. Yeah, she should be our very first female our heroes. I agree. We need to work her in. We 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 absolutely do. Okay. She would be perfect for that. She's kind of in her ascendancy again because there was just this uh, uh, biopic uh, on, on Amazon with her with Nicole Kidman in that mm-hmm. role uh, and Javier Bardem uh, and Desi and, and how they yeah. really they really were a team in many ways, but. We'll save that for that episode. Yes, yeah, so we need to work cool. that one in. Yes. So not Betty White, Lucio Ball. Lucio Ball. Oh, absolutely. Lucio Ball. Ball predates Betty White. All right. I'll sign, in, I'll in, sign in that. significance, yes. I'll sign that. Lucio Ball is a <clears> hero. That's going right. to be great. Back to Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. So, and then, the, of course, the huge, huge break is uh, The Magnificent Seven. 
And we've talked, you know, at length, the Magnificent Seven, of course, essentially stolen from Akira Kurosawa and Seven Samurai. Um, but he plays Ben. Yul Brenner kind of hates him because he feels like he's upstaging him. And he is. But uh, he's, which is he's not... also trying to differentiate the character. Correct. From the other... Because Yul, this is Yul Brenner's vehicle. He's meant to be the star. And Brenner was quite, usually the gentleman. He was very much the gentleman... It took a lot for him to get upset, and this one kind of did that <laughs> because Steve McQueen didn't care. He's a bruiser in his background. He's learned how to be sophisticated, but he's you know he's doesn't take any crap. Well, he's he's trying to develop a, a, a niche and to differentiate from the other characters in the film. So he's doing all these little things, uh, shaking the shotgun shells next to his ear in the one scene before he puts him in the shotgun. Brenner hated those little things. Those, oh, you're upstaging me. But it, it was important to make the character eccentric and different from the other gunmen. Yeah, because he's one of the survivors. If you haven't seen the movie, well, you know, not all seven get killed, but many do. You know, that's yeah. kind of how it goes. But it's it, it, that part of what the appeal of that film is, you know, it's easy to, to make all seven characters exactly alike because they're all gunmen anyway. Right. How, how different are they going to be? He McQueen stakes out a territory here with this character and making it the eccentric one. Right. The oddball one. In, in fact, it got to the point where Brenner refused to draw his gun in the same scene as McQueen. He didn't want to get he didn't outdrawn. Want to get, he didn't want to get outdrawn. That's right, yeah. No. But McQueen is the one that had kind of the lines about the... the Oh, sound like a guy that I knew that took off all of his clothes and jumped into a mess of cactus. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah. These, these little lines making him the, the eccentric, the oddball. And the one that stands out in people's memories. Brenner understood that. Yeah. He, he wanted that to be the hero. And in an ensemble cast, that's not really a thing. Brenner's wanting it all for himself, and that's not the way that movie is structured. Well, by definition. Yeah. And, you know, let's pause and think about what <clears throat> was just said. How great do you have to be to upstage Jules Brenner? Exactly. Well, yeah, you're and right. Again, this is think establishing about his reputation. Yeah, because this is only a few years after uh, Ten Commandments. Uh, and I believe The King and I has been done at this point, too. Don't quote me on that. I mean, this your Brenner is, is, is a big, bona fide star. He's a, I don't yeah. have to quote you. It's recorded. We can just play it back. He, he's, uh, he's the 300-pound gorilla. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's the and, deep, real deal. And McQueen's, you know, staking out a territory here uh, to and, be the other alpha male, and it works, and it's... And they're opposites, too. Yeah. And, and they're... Because you're right, because I think you talked about uh, Yul Brenner. Um, I think you said sophisticated or something like that, polished. I, I don't remember exactly what you said. Yeah, that's, that's him. Yeah, yeah, that's that's him. yeah, but I mean, but yeah, that's definitely him. When you think about him in the Ten Commandments... Yeah. You know, he's, he, and the king and I both. You presence. Know, he's, he presence. presence he's, with he's, him. he's got gravitas, but it's that a, it's voice, a that look. polished, sophisticated, yes. whereas Steve McQueen is not. That's not the reputation that he has. It's not the, the, you know, you just. No, his coolness comes from his anti-establishment. Yes, not as part of Yeah, it's right. And right. That, but that hasn't really even happened yet. It becomes part of who McQueen is. Yeah. He becomes the anti-hero. Yeah. He becomes cool by his lack of doing things. In other words, he's going to do stuff and not tell you about it beforehand. And that's what makes him cool. And he's he becomes a hero of the counterculture because of that. 
even though he's really a very he's appearing in very conventional films. Yeah. You know, he's not really appearing in you know, a Beatles movie or something. He's appearing in these conventional films. He's a war hero, but at the same time, hey, here's the fun stuff. He's he's a war hero who can ride a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Um, he he doesn't. The insurance company wouldn't let him do the motorcycle stunts in the Great Escape. Yeah. But it was somebody that was his close buddy, Bud Eakins, who he had ridden with. And again, he did. He rode at races and all that stuff on the weekends uh, for years. Um, so he's just he, this unique, interesting guy. Didn't. He becomes this sort of this hero of the counterculture, and at the same time, this really, really, really good actor. Bankable, very bankable. Yeah, yeah I mean, it got to the point where he is he is having his own vehicles, which at that time was you know unless you're John Wayne, that doesn't happen much. So this is still the era before early with Clint Eastwood, who doesn't really earn his stripes into that until like the late sixties. By this yeah. time. Uh, McQueen's already there. He already occupies that space. Yep. Yep. And at the same time, he's seen as this, you know, we can't get along with him. The producers don't want him. He makes all these crazy demands. But the demands he was making were for things he could donate back to the boys' ranch. Ah. Without... He never told any of these producers. He would just make these demands. Well, I need you know, 10 crates of Levi's jeans, or I need 200 electric razors. And they went, oh, why do we got to put up with this guy? Well, he sells pictures. What he's doing with all that stuff is taking it to that boys' Republican Chino and donating it. You'd think somebody would have asked. (laughs) Yeah, because those are strange requests for everybody else. But you got to have an ask. You got to have a weird ask. You got to have a weird ask. So... That's what he was asking. Yeah, he turned down quite a few, or in some cases wasn't able to take on, uh, quite a few famous roles. He uh, was offered the lead in Breakfast at Tiffany's that went to George Papard, which seems kind of odd. You know, that's... That seems like kind of a step down. Well, it, Only at the end. Papard was... You, you, they didn't know his potential at the time. That's early for him in his career. But yeah, I mean, that's a relatively early movie. You know, I it, to me, it just... He seems like the wrong type based on what his body of work was. But, you know, he was turned down parts in Ocean's Eleven and Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, which I imagine, um, or not imagine, he he didn't get that one because he, his lawyers and Paul Newman's lawyers couldn't work out who was going to get top billing. Who was going to get billing. That's right. Yeah, Because he would have played Robert Redford's role. Right, yeah, he played the Sundance Kid. So, you know, plus uh, The Driver, Apocalypse Now, Dirty Harry... So he was offered a lot yeah, I mean, of really big stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Steve McQueen Even Close was, Encounters. Your, was your first go-to. Yeah, I mean, that was and he had a long history with Paul Newman. Yeah, because he, he shows up on screen and you've got a hit. Yeah. In, in many respects, he's at John Wayne, same as John Wayne at his height. Doesn't matter what he is, put him in that role. Yeah, I was going to say Harrison Ford. That same thing, exactly. Yeah, doesn't yeah. Matter, you know, in the Ford, 80s. Yeah, Harrison Ford becomes that same kind of guy. Yeah, doesn't matter what he's doing, people show up for him. Yeah. And and McQueen had that, and would have continued that, I think, had he lived. Uh, had he? Well, I don't know. I mean, he's fifty when he dies. He, um, you know, right after uh, Towering Inferno, which was a box office smash, right? Highlight of his career as far as 
money making and, and what have you. He then takes four years off to drive around the country in a motorhome and ride in his motorcycles. Right, exactly. Because he didn't. So maybe he didn't want to. Maybe he would have. You know, I mean, you peak and you realize, damn, I got enough money to do whatever the hell I want. I can go ride motorcycles. Well, which is that's what I he does. Yeah, so man. there would have been projects. I think. Oh, I'm sure there would have been. Back. Well, he because he does come back and do some more because he does one in '78. Uh, yeah. I forget which one it was, but uh, well, Tom Horn and the Hunter. Yes, are his Tom last Horn two and the Hunter, are the last two. Yeah. Uh, those come out, both come out in 1980, and, though. Yeah, guys. they would have. The offers would have kept coming, and sooner or later, it was just a matter of the price tag. He'd have done. He it'd have been his choice. He could have picked what he wanted to, if he found the right script. Like so many A-listers, it's yeah. all about the projects they to want the to material. Do. Yeah, yeah, and you get him the good. You know, and, and it we, wouldn't have necessarily had to have been action films. No, no, no. Because I mean, again, he did do stuff other than that. You have to wonder too. You know, at fifty years of age, what what movies in the eighties or nineties could you imagine Steve McQueen playing the role of instead of whoever did it? It's probably a, a little bit more of a thing for us to play well, with later. Well, you know, that's a good question. Um, I think by the time you get to the eighties, though, there's not a whole lot of bad boy rebel without a cause kind of movies. True, the, the movie things change, but he he's still a leading I mean, man. That's, you know, I, I, I'm having trouble remembering exactly his role in Towering Inferno, but it doesn't seem to me that... Was he the He's fire? the police. Oh, police. yes, the fire chief. Oh, the fire, fire chief. chief. Oh, fire chief. Newman's the architect. Yes, that's... Yeah. And uh, McQueen is the fire chief. So, yes, at his age, he would have had to probably have moved into more of, like, the authority figure role. Yeah. But... Well, I don't know. Yeah, there are a lot of guys... Raiders that, of the Lost Ark, could he have... Oh, yeah, he might have been able to do that. But then again, you know... Maybe he was a little too old. Harrison Ford Harrison had a, was a younger relationship with, with George Lucas, so you know that's a good deal, the reason why he got yeah got that movie. But, you know, maybe he, he could have done some of those kinds of things. But um, certainly there was a new generation of younger actors coming up mm-hmm. that were getting those kind of action sort of things. Uh, plus, you know, who knows how he would have done with all the sci-fi kind of stuff, you know? He had done very little of it, you know. Yeah, he had done the blob, but I mean, come on, it's the blob. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not exactly. It's high still sci-fi. fun, though. It's still it is, fun. but yeah. it's you know that's the kind of movie you do much earlier in your career, not later in your career. It what career? Probably. Well, he had his chances at Dirty Harry. He did, but they probably and he didn't want to do a whole lot of cop movies, though. Yeah, he didn't want to repeat. He didn't himself. want to repeat Bullet. Yeah. Which Bullet's one again. The, when you talk about the king, of, he was the cool factor of Bullet. Not just from driving the car, but just every scene, every step he made, it, it was just, he he was a guy who didn't take crap. Just even standing in a hallway. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it was that cool. This is some of the stuff that was he was considered for that uh, he didn't get either because of his age or they weren't actually uh, went into production until after his death. Uh, so it just goes to show kind of stuff he was considered for. But again, age and death will keep you from getting certain movies, especially <laughs> yeah. the latter. Especially death, yeah, I can see that, yeah. yeah. Uh, although, nowadays, with technology, that's not always the case. That's right. Because, you know, you don't need to be alive to get certain movie roles anymore, as we've seen. Peter Fisher, yeah, that's, that's your example. Yeah. Carrie yeah. Fisher, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> so, uh, apparently he was interested in, in the Rambo character for First Blood. Uh, that went yeah. to Stallone, but he was rejected because of his age for that. He would, yeah, he would have been too old there. Yeah, although because it's t- it's tight, he, tightly in time. He but he would have been great. He could have played 
the sheriff instead of Brian Dennehy. He could have played the sheriff. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 that. oh but man, Dennehy, he, he was Dennehy so good. Dennehy was so good, but yeah. it, McQueen could have taken that part. He could have not. Queen, McQueen probably would have had a better presence for the role. He might not have wanted to take second billing. See, and that's the thing. He would but have I, I think he, if he'd have liked the part enough. Yeah, he could. He certainly well, could have done that. Stallone's only got one movie, big movie, to his credit when he does First Blood. He's just got Rocky. I don't think even Rocky. I don't think even Rocky Two has happened yet. I don't know. Uh, it's right but, about the same time. Yeah, it's it's really it's his it's it's Stallone's chance to prove I'm not just a one note Charlie. I really can act with the right role, and this is a perfect role based on the book. Yeah, and and it, it cemented him as. Holy crap, this guy can act. And he spends the 80s doing all sorts of stuff. He does. He does even Rhinestone with Dolly Parton. He says, yes. He's had more than a few stinkers, and he'll firmly admit them. Every actor does. Yeah. So he was also offered uh, the title role, or not the title role, well, yeah, I guess technically it's the title role in The Bodyguard, because it was originally in production with Diana Ross. Yes. But eventually that was done with Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner. Yes. yes. The yeah. script to The Bodyguard goes back to the 70s. Yes, 1974. Yeah, so it was, it was in production for... 76. Yeah. 76. Yeah, so it was in production um, for like... And development hell or whatever they call it for like 15 years. Exactly. Yeah. Which uh, it would have been very different. Uh, and that was... But you know what? I think he would have worked out really he well. Would've, he would have. Yeah. He would have carried it. And I mean, hell, he could have probably even done Bull Durham. Uh, no, because he was 50 of, when, he, when he died. Some of Costner's movies could have gone big Costner, I mean, Costner is kind of the poor man's McQueen to a degree. He tried to step he's in a, He's same, a more goofball version of yeah, him, Because he, he, he does comedy same. very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and, but yeah, he's, he's too old, because if he couldn't do... Yeah, uh, don't get me wrong, we love Kevin Costner. He's fine. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a good... It's, he does a good things, but... Because uh, Costner was in his ascendancy when he does Bulldorm. Yeah, and that's what eighty eight, I think it, it is. is. It's before so Dances with Wolves, which is yeah, that would have been that had been late. Yeah, you, you really got he, early eighties uh, stuff in the early eighties that would have would he may have gone with. Good question. I know we probably can't. Pull I mean, it, pull a lot of the stuff we're thinking of in the eighties, he would have been too old for. To right, take the title it, it would have been different. It would have been a different. It would have to have been willing to take again, sort of move into those authority figure sort of lady has to. He was also uh, interested in uh, Quigley Down Under, which had been in development since 1974. He'd have done a great job. He would have done a fantastic job. We love Tom Selleck. It would have been a whole different different movie. Now, he could have done either Quigley or he could have done The the Rancher. I'm forgetting his name. The... the, Alan Rickman? Alan, well, I was thinking of trying to think of the ranch, rancher's name. Yes, Alan Rickman was the actor. Right, yeah. I he know. could have done either one of them. Yeah, we love Alan Rickman, too. I mean, he's, yes, Alan Rickman, he's he's great just about anything. Yes. He, he's, he's so, he can be so serious, but have just such a great yeah. bit of humor. Which kind of leads me to, to the question, what would you do in Die Hard if replace Alan Rickman with Steve McQueen? No. 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 Well, can't do it. As good as McQueen is, I don't think he can pull off a European. And there's the, the, he could have essentially the, an American. Yeah, he so could have done the that, character of McClane. That role earlier. could have been. Uh, oh, uh, McClane would have been a very good role for him. That's that's his type of if, movie. If that could have been it, developed it, earlier. Yeah, yes. it could have been done in the early seventies. Because yes. again, McClane is you know thirty-five to forty is going to be the yeah. age max. I mean, it's Die Hard is technically a sequel to another film. And Frank Sinatra played the role. Right. Well, you know, Frank Sinatra was originally supposed to be Dirty Harry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
The book is uh, Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe. And it is it is a sequel to an earlier book, I think, called The Detective. Okay. Or maybe that's the name of the film. And Frank Sinatra plays the title role. Because of the development length, they rewrote it and separated it so it's not a sequel, made yeah. it unique. But, like, Al Powell is a character in the book, you know, and, and the book is... The book's very different. I'm still looking for a copy of it. I want to find it somewhere. Um, but in the book, McLean's rescuing his daughter who works for an oil company. And the oil company's dirty. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Die Hard, you know, they kind of transform it to this Japanese corporation that... It's a tech company. It's they're, just being robbed. They're just being robbed. And they're not necessarily dirty. Yeah, they're sitting on six hundred million dollars of non-negotiable ba- or uh, negotiable bearer bonds. See, I knew this. I knew you were going to go there. I knew you were going to make that quote. Yes. <laughs> so, why is a company sitting on six hundred million dollars of negotiable bearer bonds? I mean, why right. does Apple sit on all of their money? Right. Is it's, is know, it ethical? Is it unethical? Whatever. They're just, but they're they're not in, indicted, sort of, in the film. Whereas in the book, the company is very much dirty. Yeah, you know, and the daughter. So are you saying that Apple was dirty for all the hundreds of billions of dollars of cash that they just sitting on that they could be putting to use, creating jobs and value in America? Well, you know, I think you just said that. (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes understand. Sometimes the question answers itself. Yeah, when you do that, I'm just absorbing it from Robert a little bit here. Well, you know, I I quite the Apple critic. I am, even though I have become a, a, a user of the hardware quite a bit. I love the products. Uh, yeah. Wearing the Apple Watch, using the iPad Pro, uh, with my iPhone sitting somewhere. Well, my iPhone's here. My iPad Pro's what I'm using I don't know where here. my iPhone went. Um, and I have a MacBook downstairs. Yeah. Uh, the hardware, you know, I will admit is great, but yeah, the company still pisses me off on a regular basis. Yeah. Now, as far as McLean and Die Hard, I, I don't think he could... He wouldn't have taken the role of um, of the police, the deputy police commissioner, or whatever. He's not going to make himself be a putz. He's going to be yeah. leading, he's going to be the he's going to be the leading man or a supporting leading man as he ages. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you might have been able to talk him into taking the role of the agent Johnson uh, instead of Robert Dobby. But uh, that would be probably but, better. But, he, but he's too. yeah, he's made fun of though. Robert Dobby plays it tongue in cheek. Love Robert Dobby. He 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 makes something that should have been nothing and makes it just a putz uh, with 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 a smile and a smirk. Yeah. And it uh, but you know for the when you think of Steve McQueen, partially this is because he died young. Yeah. And what because he died five years younger than me, so damn he died young. Uh, I'm with you on that one. Um, because again, as we were, as we've said before, and we talked about in the show prep, you know, old is somebody who is ten years older than me. Uh, is now a sliding scale. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you, you think of him as as the action kind of guy because of the the things he liked to do in real life, as well as what he. I mean, you well, know, yeah, when we he, haven't even talked about that. He had to drive that. in his in a, if there was driving in his movies, he drove. He did the, his own stunts. It, yes, stuff. a lot of the stunt driving and bullet he did himself. Uh, again, insurance wouldn't let him do. Uh, the motorcycle stunt at the end of The Great Escape, but he still did a lot of motorcycle riding in the film. Right. Um, but he's going to, you think of him as the leading man. Yeah. So he would be Crash in Bull Durham if it had been made in the 70s. He would have been John McClane. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think he would have been a hand solo because the, the, I mean, even, 
even Harrison Ford says that you know there's just nothing there. <laughs> he, he's not a huge fan of Han Solo because he's he, there's just no depth to the character. Uh, although you could argue that later it comes a bit, but he was never really a huge fan. Yeah, he could have made a great Indiana Jones. Uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah, he could have. Uh, yeah, I, I you know because I can easily picture him in the leather jacket and the fedora. Yeah, uh, carrying that's, the bullet. That, that's, not that's... a problem. But again, much younger. Blade Runner. Uh, oh, Blade Runner. Now, yeah. But Blade, again, yeah, Blade Runner, he could have you know, I don't know if he or Ridley Scott would have gotten along, but he could have done the, the Kind of the part, though, that would have made, um, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark difficult is, again, McQueen's, he's doing things without saying them. Whereas that's more of a Harrison Ford gives that kind of a wisecrack type. Well, yeah, it's but that's how it was. And McQueen's it, not a wisecracker. The well, Lucas would have written it differently if it was McQueen. We know that it would yes. not have been it's the same recognizable character we have here. It would have been made to fit him. Uh, but Lucas could have done that. He that would not have compromised his vision. It would, the character would have been a nuance different, but the events are still there. You know, you still would have had, and McQueen probably would have had a blast. Making a movie like that, yeah, oh, that's, sure, that's yeah. right up his alley with yeah. the stunts. I mean, out there getting a snot beat, you know, having a fist fight next to a rotating plane, you know, that's that's McQueen all over it. So it just oh, and he gets to ride a motorcycle in the third movie. Too, that's so. exactly yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Of course, again, as he ages, what is he willing to move into? We right. we don't know. This is all perfectly. It's all, this yeah. is just a what Speculative. if. We love what ifs. But fortunately, most actors, if they want to keep working. Move into somewhat different roles. I mean, sure. Connery, of course, moves into kind of elder, elder character type roles. Yeah, from, uh, the, from I from, mean, to go from Bond to then Ramius. Well, he had to reinvent himself big time. Yeah, because you he know, was typecast, and he he's one of the few that have successfully broken out of that. He yeah. could have played the uh, kept, American sub commander in in that movie. Oh yeah, is that oh, Scott Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, he could have been uh, very good at that. McQueen he, would have been great in that movie. Yeah. Can you imagine? Because he'd have been about, about 60 at the time. Yeah. Thereabouts. And that would have been a perfect age to have played that. And uh, nothing against Scott Glenn. I think he did a good job. But McQueen, oh, Scott Glenn is awesome. But how in the world could you not? You just imagine McQueen Yeah, I mean, if role. McQueen calls and says, hey, I'd like a part in this sub-movie you're making, of course you find some place to put him. That, that would have been exactly. Good, it, it, exactly. It was a meaty enough role that he would not he, have minded. Greer, you know, would have been cool. Perhaps uh, that's not. There's not enough role there, though. He's not enough in the movie. I can't imagine he would have. Uh, he... Well, but you find a way to make more career if you. Well, if you've got McQueen, <laughs> you're, you're, you know, there's some truth to that. He wouldn't have played a Russian. I can't see no, him doing that. No, I, again, I, I just I don't. He's just too American to play any a uh, play any character that's foreign. Again, that's why I think he would have been wrong uh, in Die Hard as, as Hans or something. Right. Well, unless it were rewritten, of course. Yeah. Again, yeah. If you. Stay with the original material of it being an American oil company. Right. I mean, but as far as Hunter Red October, that doesn't work at all. Being Russian, that, that yeah, yeah, he's not because you can't change that. Yeah, you can't yeah, change that. right. So he has to play, you know, one of the CIA or one of the American. But you know, he could have taken on some, yeah. some of the roles. That, oh, it could have uh, been Pelt. Pelt's not a bad idea. Oh yeah, he, yeah, and that's not an action thing. Of course, then again, he'd be sixty. Well, he could have done be, that. He'd be very convincing as Pelt. Very and much so. Richard Jordan, love, love, love Richard it. Jordan. Right. Yeah, but I could watch him all day. Yeah, McQueen as Pelt would have been really cool. That yes, would, yeah. I could well, see that. yeah, because again, he's got that presence. You know, he could have done roles that um, uh, Sean Connery did. 
now granted uh, the um, the movie with Catherine Zeta-Jones where he's the uh, thief Entrapment Entrapment yeah. that's late 90s he would have been it's late 90s but I mean yeah, but again that type of yeah. he would have been mm-hmm. uh, you know, approximately the same age he would have been that that far off from from Connery, from Connery, uh, possibly probably would have so. aged better than Connery did. Maybe, maybe. Because uh, uh, Connery could, didn't until Red October. Connery didn't really. Well, let's take that back. Until The Untouchables, yeah. Uh, yeah. Connery really didn't break out completely. He was he was always working. He always was leading vehicles, but none of them ever went much of anywhere. For God's sake, you got Zardoz and a few others. But yeah. he gets. But once he does the Untouchable role, you realize, holy shit, he is very good. And we need to be making real movies for him instead of just something else. Yeah. Wrong is yeah. right and a few of these others. Uh, he could have done any of the roles that uh, Chuck did later. Uh, like uh, True Lies where he plays I was Arn- that. Arnie's yeah. boss. I was thinking Because again, who do you get to intimidate Arnold Schwarzenegger? Chuck Heston or Steve McQueen? Yeah, you can imagine that. Uh, or yeah. or any, any of the Stallone vehicles too. I mean, because you've got many, uh, yeah. many of those. Uh, like uh, which? Like- oh, well, it, it put him in Richard Crenna's role. In, in the Rambo movies, oh, possibly. I don't know they'd have taken them, but yeah, that's right because they weren't big enough. Yeah. But uh, but he would have been the right. He would have been good. He would have been, he, he, he been fantastic with that. He would have been. Yeah. He been. Credo is very good. Uh, McQueen would have been badass, and then you get all of a sudden a much more believable Rambo three, <laughs> which yeah. which sucked. Nothing against Credo. Uh It was just. It was. It was the whole thing was written wrong. It was. It was a yeah. just, I, That would it's, be neat to picture that beginning scene in First Blood when when the Troutman character is introduced. Right. Who made Who made Rambo? Well, who in God's name? God didn't make Rambo. I, I made him. Yeah, yeah. That's McQueen. Yeah. To eat that's, things that make a Billy Goat puke. That's right. You know to win. Yeah. Period. He would have been very, very intimidating. And have him against Stallone at that beautiful scene at the very end of the movie where they're arguing right before he's getting ready to go out. Can you imagine that? Or Crenna did a great job. Yeah. Could you imagine McQueen there, though? So, but, what but, about McQueen in the Brian, something in... Brian Dennehy relationship would have been really good. Yes, yeah, McQueen yes. or Dennehy yeah. arguing in that tent would have been really good. So, throw McQueen into Apocalypse Now. Because he was supposed to be Willard, he was actually. Oh, was he? Okay, he, he Cause was. Because that's, that's the Colonel, isn't that, it? No, no, no that's Willard's, uh, Sheen, Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. He's the main. character. Oh, that's Martin Sheen's. Okay, he's the main character. See, I was thinking of him first. I like, well, no, because Martin Sheen wouldn't have been so young then. That would have been a significant age difference. Uh, no, he was actually up for it, and he turned it down. Okay, which, okay. I, which is really a at that bummer. time. I, well, I think they anticipated being overseas for a really long seventeen time. weeks is a, is, and, and that's why he didn't do it. And didn't do it. It's it's not that he just. Did, he like, would have been. He would have been good as Kurtz. Yes, he would have been good as Kurtz. Oh, but not that'd as been different. You don't think so? Oh no, he'd have been too old for Willard. See, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, it was made in '71, maybe, but by '78 he's too old. Yeah, because yeah, you got to remember the time it was made. Yeah, actually, and you couldn't made. have made that movie in '71 anyways. It wouldn't have made sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, it had to, it had to be. You needed a little bit of distance so, yeah. from the Vietnam War. Uh, well, because Brando was already set, that was kind of like because he'd already done The Godfather, so Coppola's, you know, I can bring you Brando, uh, it, which is part of the, yeah. the part of the deal. Uh, but could you imagine? You're right. Could you imagine him as Colonel Kurtz, uh, and Brando, who did a fine job, but he would only be, you couldn't really see him, yeah, yeah, because he's overweight. And what else could he have done in the '80s, though? That 
would have been tremendous with him at say 55, 58 years old. Well, see, that's that's kind of the problem. So you're talking eighty five, eighty six. Well, you got to remember 88. though, fifty five to fifty eight on screen for somebody like him does not play like fifty five does for us. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he did try to keep in shape. He did run and right. and, so, and, and really try to work out. Uh, what the the cancer that got him uh, is suspected that it was asbestos exposure when he was in the Marines. No. Yeah. Now, it would have changed the character of the movies, but you know what he would have made a really good? He would have made a great Lex Luthor. You just wouldn't have been able to play it as a camp Lex Luthor for Superman. If you played him as a real villain, yeah, that the, the, would have been kind it, of it cool. would, Yeah, and I'm not sure Richard Donner would have gone that way. Probably not, but... but yeah. You know, if you had made him not a, a, a goofball, mm-hmm. uh, he would have been a great foil. Lovable goofball, mind you, because Gene Hackman did a fantastic oh, job. Oh, absolutely, that. absolutely. We, we love that Hackman's portrayal of that. Hackman is somebody. Hackman's roles, you can, you, they, were, they weren't that far off in age. Oh, I don't think. Uh, so, uh, the sub, sub commander with Denzel Washington. Yeah, can you uh, imagine him yeah, in Crimson, Crimson Tide? Crimson Tide. Yeah, yeah, that would have been, I think that's in the early 90s, so it, he would have been older. He would have been, been older, but he could, play, he could play a younger guy. Unless he loses his hair, he can, and even then you can do uh, you can fix that because that's what Connery did. You do the hair piece and make it work. Yeah, but he, I mean he could have done those kind of roles if he wanted to keep working. And I'm you know you make the argument that once he had the financial freedom to do whatever the hell he wanted, maybe he didn't really care. As maybe much not. I mean that's he, he took four years off <coughs> right. after the Towering Inferno to do what he wanted to. Well, he, his yeah. I suspect had he lived. It, he would have done very few, but they'd have been roles that intrigued him. Something so, that, that he he liked the idea of. They sold him on the character. Uh, that's why you'd see. That's why you'd yeah, see him Yeah, again, it, pull him in. Yeah, you know, right. Have him play Pelt. Yeah, in see, yeah, for Red October. Yeah, I think that's a role that would have intrigued him at that time. And, and, it and it's Richard so Jordan was cool. a bit young for that kind of character, anyway. Yeah, I mean, but it would have so worked to have him in that in that discussion with Alec Baldwin. He would have made a great general or colonel in any of the Gettysburg, Gettysburg or Civil War movies. Yes, he would. He would have wanted to do Gettysburg. I think. Yeah, yeah. he would have wanted to do Gettysburg. Yeah, because he'd have been in his early 60s at that age, and that's perfect for that. Yeah. yeah. have done yeah. that pretty easily. Um, so let me throw this out. I'm going to be a little contrarian. I'm going to pretend I'm Martin. Good. Go for it. So, you know, one of the reasons we pick different people for these uh, Our Heroes, People You Should Know episodes, uh, in particular, is the dedication to being the best at what they do. Mm-hmm. So, and you guys talked about how, how great it is. You know what? As I'm sitting here thinking about the kind of stuff we're talking about, um, you know, we're not talking about a whole lot of range. I submit that maybe his master of the craft is less the master of the craft as much as it is a master of being the king of cool. Well, but he did do some now discuss that were, <laughs> that were less action oriented. That were, that were, but yes, I mean, you're right. He, he, he always lean, plays the same type of character. He did lean towards yes. the action oriented person in most of these a things. little bit combative because i mean even in towering yeah. inferno he you know he, he he's the, an authority figure but he's he's kind of he's combative you know he he rails against the building the building so damn high that you can't reach can't him reach, yes you know th- that sort of thing uh because he very much rails against that 
uh, skyscraper mentality. So he he's a protestor. Well, he's that, that anti-hero that yeah. that um, uh, or that contrarian hero might be the better. That's way a better to put way it. of putting it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because he's, he's not because pun- anti-hero today means you know like Punisher kind but of. I was thing. Say, yes. We must yeah. be telegraphing. He, like, that was the word I was yeah. going with. He, he is a a counterculture figure and anti-hero style figure. I, I think the the parallel to someone like Clint Eastwood is a good one. Yeah. Because yeah. they came up kind of the same way, making a mark on television first in a Western. Right. Moving into a Western for sort of these beginning film roles. The roles are very, again, action-oriented, do-not-talk kind of roles. Bring the presence, yeah. And then moving into then um, police-type roles. Again, Bullet and Dirty Harry are very much... Films of the same era. Yeah. You know, again, the same type of police Well, yeah, so if you, if you want to see what McQueen's going to do, look at Clint Eastwood's career. Yes. Well, but theoretically, you know, because again, I, and I, I freely admit that the fact that he dies at age 50 limits us is to seeing what right. but he your, could your, do. Your point being, where's the range? Exactly. I think the thing is, up to that point, even Eastwood... Hasn't displayed that much range, and right, it, which, his range comes later as he begins to direct. Well, yeah. He well, says, all right. Well, let me let me give you a counter, as far as that. Yeah, Chuck Heston. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Chuck shows far more range far and more dedication range. to the craft. Yeah, at a similar, uh, although he's a little bit earlier, but yeah. he essentially. Uh, occupies the same time frame, just about ten years. Starts about ten years sooner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he shows far greater range. Well, he he and, deliberately and seeks those out. Chuck does. Well, again, though, he's dedicated to the craft. Correct. That's why he does. Yeah. That's why Chuck he is one of those guys that is is probably uh, he's the quintessential uh, perfectionist as far as. What he does, yeah, yeah, he, he is. He's, he, I mean, he is professional, well, and I think I even pointed out. You know, he, he talks about in his book about you know practically every role. He has a speech coach to get it, but it's like I can't see any difference. Yeah, well, and and Heston's is he's more attracted to the stage. He is, yes. Um, that's where he, well, that's where he comes yeah, up. Yeah, because he, he comes Eastwood up free TV. Yeah, Eastwood never really does the stage. Yeah, um, I think I think McQueen is very limited on the stage. They are much more movie guys. Yeah, and well, so and that's but because I, I think time the, moves. Yeah, further. I think the range well, would have been there later, as we saw with stuff like Midnight in the Garden of, of Good and Evil with Eastwood. Mm-hmm. I I think McQueen would have taken roles like that where he would have pushed himself oh, out of these uh, regular parts. Well, if you talk in about the line of head, fire, that's another say, great in Eastwood line, movie. In the line of fire did. was uh, was a great one. Uh, That'd be a good one that McQueen could have done. Mm-hmm. Heartbreak Ridge, you know the aging soldier that, that yeah. comes yes. back. These are, but these are those again, though, we're, these are not hugely different. No, not. Yeah, yeah, the the range. You're right. Could, could he have done um, regarding Henry? I don't think so. Uh, maybe I'll, I don't know. I'll give you Clint Eastwood's break of character is the one the bridges in Madison County. Yes, that's uh, that that shows that he can play a very different kind of character. Not that different because yeah. he's still a. I mean, he's it, still a man. It's a wanted, bit more of a romantic lead. That's yeah, right, yeah. If they wanted McQueen and thought he was right for uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, then I think he could have pulled it off. Probably, but again, he's much younger. Uh, you know, when you're younger, 
and, and good looking. Yeah. You know, especially when you're early. Yeah, because again, this is very early. He wasn't started yet. He, you know, they maybe he could have been molded in that direction, or maybe if he'd gotten that role, his career would have gone in a different. He, direction. he would have been a romantic leading guy instead of an action guy. Right. But he, by his very nature, he seems to be playing roles that speak to his his personal nature. You know that because yeah. you know juvenile delinquent. You know, getting sent to the brig, demoted and promoted seven times. I mean, you know, he's a lot of the characters that we think of as that king of cool. Okay, kind of relate to him personally. At least it seems like they speak to him personally. Yeah, or at least the yeah, you know, which again speaks to is he truly a master of the craft if. It's so easy, and I don't know if it was easy for him to play these things, but you know if you can see the similarity in who he is with who he plays. Well, I'm going to give you an answer. It may not be a satisfactory answer, but first, let's bourbon break. Let us bourbonize. Well, then we bourbon will make most things satisfactory. All right. Well, I think you'll live with this. Then, um, what did I pour? Uh, four roses. Uh, four small roses, batch. Four roses, small batch yes. with a little ice. Again, very, very smooth, very gravelly. Oh yes. Love the Four Roses. Oh, just so good. Uh, Francis? 1792 again. Oh, you know, when, you find, when you find one that works, yeah. And it's, it was a nearly full bottle, so there was plenty of it. Yeah, absolutely. So Probably yeah. not so much by the time we're done today, but, <laughs> but that's we'll all right. We'll stick with that, yeah. Our uh, bellies are, are very full here at uh, yes. Studio R. Yes, Studio R uh, here in the atrium. We had a very good uh, chili. I got to say, I, it came out much better than I, I thought it would have. I'm thinking I'm, I made a chili. Had a mix of uh, chicken sausage, beef, uh, lean beef, and um, uh, pork. Mm-hmm. All ground. So it basically ended up being six pounds of, of meat, which is quite a bit of meat. It's a, it's a big old honking thing. Uh, yeah. And some black beans. Mm-hmm. And of course, the tomato base for all of it. And uh, spiced up very well. It was very flavorful. You had, yes. you had a lot of really good... Interesting flavors, and they worked well together. I was worried that they wouldn't because it's the first time I've I've done this. Because I liked it. I liked when it. I cook, I, I I like to experiment. I don't cook often, but when I do, I like to experiment. Yeah. If I were to bake, I would follow the recipe because that's the rule. When you bake, you have a recipe. You have to follow the. Formula. You have to follow because you got to make it cook up. Because otherwise, it doesn't right. work as well. Yes. But when you're cooking, you don't have the chance to intercede with baking. Yes. Yes. That's that's very but true. But with stovetop cooking, if it's not quite right. You can well, season, okay. you can do whatever. Well, you, you can add some more stuff. Sing and dance, puppet show stuff, the whole nine yards. Exactly. Yes. I'm thinking I might need to... to Because it got pretty thick there at the end. Uh, I think I need to, to add either more tomato, which I think it's already too tomatoey. Uh, I was thinking about maybe adding a little bit of beef broth to uh, to loosen it up a little Yeah, that would work. Yeah, that beef stock work. is better. Yeah, well, yes, yes. yes stock. Yeah, yeah, beef stock is yes. what you want. Yeah, and uh, I've uh, used I that mean, before. First, I would pull back on the beans a bit. Well, that would also help this because that again, um, beans have a tendency to coagulate things. Yes, together. well, because they absorb. That's correct. They absorb. So, uh, and you know, they were black beans, not not regular kidney beans, or, or they were. Kind of, they, they, I think that really made. It they nice. were the right bean. There's no doubt. They're, yeah, yeah, yeah I think that, made that made definitely a big worked difference well. And made it work, and but pull back some on the beans. Your meat was good. It was on point. Seasoning was just about right. I like the. You pull back a little on the tomato, but I I thought it was good tomato. And well, it was an interesting counterpoint because you know tomatoes it's a little sweet. Yeah. Uh, so it came off a little. And these were uh, you know not just the tomato paste and tomato sauce out of the can, but also had a jar of canned tomatoes, which I threw in the blender because it's not real big on chunks uh, in my in my yeah. stuff. We buy the crushed tomatoes that do that. Yeah. yeah. 
So, but that really uh, also doing that in the blender helped also bring the sweetness out of yeah. those because it, it broke that open. So you, you had an interesting mix of the sweetness as well as the spiciness and the different flavors with the meat. Yeah. I was very pleased, but uh, I think I'd do a little more to it and it will uh, be even better. Especially if I can uh, tone down the seasoning a bit because the wife, and Mrs. Robert, and uh, uh, the mother-in-law are not real big on, on spicy stuff. Although yeah. Mrs. Robert handles it better I, than she used to. I didn't think it was super hot. Me neither, but I know, I know them. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's not giving me any kind of well, Oh, no, no, no. No heartburn. No, no spilkus in the Ganecticazoid. And that's always good, because, you know, the spilkus there is always... Yeah. So, anyways, uh, my bourbon uh, is the uh, Nine Year Knob Creek. Oh! Uh, dropped yes. a single ice cube in there, which by the time we got to it had fully melted. Uh, so it's still a little chilled, but uh, somewhat diluted. But the Nine Year is probably not a bad one to dilute just a bit. Yeah, and, that's uh, cool. Very smooth. Uh, this is one of those bottles that I got from the kids a few uh, a year ago, and I uh, haven't quite finished it off yet. But uh, we'll help mm, you with that. Very smooth going down. Just a great uh, flavor in the mouth. You know, you get uh, both a little bit of that woodsy that Martin uh, so loves, mm -hmm. uh, as well as a little bit of that sweetness that uh, that some of the bourbons have. It's a good compliment to the uh, to the chili. So um, my you're an hour early, Bosco. So Bosco yes. uh, came in. You may have heard the uh, door open, uh, Otter Rights. And he's uh, standing here by my chair as if it were 4.30. 4.30 is dinner time. It's food time. Yes. Yeah. He's like, uh, you guys had dinner. Where's mine? Human, feed my belly. Yes. Human. Well, that's all day. <laughs> well, Human, my belly needs the food. Well, you know, I'd say I could give him a bone and have him go off, but this is where he eats his bones. <laughs> no, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're, we're squatters today. Yes, yes. He's been uh, sleeping behind uh, Francis's chair a good portion of the day, surprisingly. Good for you, Bosco, buddy. Yeah. Oh, this gives us a, a lead-in to introduce Francis's new dog, which we have not. Oh, yes. How could we forget? We forgot. Yes. Uh, yes. Oliver. 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 Yeah, yeah, yes. That's right. You should, I, uh, I'm going to go Zsa Zsa Green Acres with his name. And okay. Oliver. Oliver. Oh, that's, that's not bad. You need that's to bad. post a picture on the blog. I can do that. And put you know, a picture on the We literally just you got him yesterday. I mean, it, I have it's 24 hours. At right, the, right. As of when but you have gorgeous. pictures on your phone, which we are very impressed with. Well, uh, Her Majesty sent them to me. That's correct. Uh, and well, to the daughters. See, now I was thinking you took you them. You thought I took them? Yes. No, I'm not the photographer. My wife is. Well, you got uh, a camera on your phone. Everybody's a photographer. Well, I, su well I suppose. But, you know, that's... No. Uh, he, uh, he see, now a, I'm not as impressed. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, he's an Eskimo uh, Spitz type, so I've been told. Uh, long neck. Uh, big pointy ears. Big pointy forward ears. facing. Yes. Yeah, he's uh, a, a very mellow dog. Yes, now that kind of dog is mellow. That's uh, correct. Yeah, I had uh, an Alaskan Malamute Shepherd mix growing up. Oh my God, he was so mellow. I th you'd swear he was high all the time. Yeah, so no, I'm this envious. Uh, this this I'm dog. Looking forward to mellow. Yeah, uh, he's uh, he, he sat with. Well, now how old is he? Two years. Oh, okay, so he's oh, an he's adult. Yeah, he's okay. adult. Yeah, he's oh, so adult. he's not... Oh, okay, so he's smaller than... Uh, yeah. At least, I, there's no scale in the picture, but it looked like he was a small dog. He's not exceptionally, but yes. He's How much bigger or smaller than Dennis? Much smaller than that. Buster. Much smaller. Okay, uh, so... Well, I mean, a little, little small... Uh, don't know. A little smaller than our previous dog, which you all know. So, so. smaller than an R? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. wow. Not exceptionally so, but a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so he's... Oh, he's 18 tiny. 18 pounds, 20 pounds. He's a lap dog, then. Yeah. Not quite, but almost. Well, for you, he's not. For us, he would be. Oh, yeah. I mean, he would be... 
I mean, he's, Wilson, the wonder dude, will sits in my lap, and he weighs 30 pounds. Right, right. Well, well if I sit on the floor, Bosco will sit in my lap. He yeah. thinks he's a lap, but he weighs 72 pounds. Well, Wilson has taken, of course, early on he figured out how to jump on the bed. But now if you stand in front of him while he's standing on the bed, he will put paws on your shoulders and give you kisses, like a big hug. Wow, he can reach your shoulders? Yes. Yes. If wow. I If I stand at the bed and he's on the bed, boom. He'll be right up on my shoulders, and I mean, face to face. I guess it's been two months since we've seen him, because we were at Francis's place last time, weren't we? We were. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's been two months since we've seen Wilson. Yes. Dogs can grow quite a bit in two months at that age. We think he's plateaued. We think he's there. Uh, Of course, uh, the uh, vet has had the, uh, you know, the surgery time for him. He's, he's neutered. Uh, so that he will uh, bark with a higher pitch? Yes. The Vienna Dogs Choir. Interesting the euphemisms we uh, Vienna spot. Dogs Choir. He's, nice one. Nice he's one. the Vienna Dogs Choir. And uh, so he's a little less Hump Loop Picard, a little less Anakin uh, Sky Humper than he yeah, was, but, but not a lot. Really, hits, I always thought it was Anakin Sky Whiner, but... The, and the hits keep coming, don't well, they? Well, you know, yes. I made up a whole list. I mean, Ernst Stavro Humpfeld. I was I was doing all kinds of nicknames for him when he was in nice. his when he was in his aggressively humping things phase. Uh, he's a little less of a Mississippi leg hound, but oh yeah, so well, that you was just Bosco. Keep, you just even keep though rolling, he was don't you? You just snipped. There's not well, one. He used to hump legs all the time. Not especially a unused here. The, yeah. the wife's Mrs. Roberts' uh, best friend. He would hump her. Like all the time. Well, Wilson likes to wait until you're sitting on the couch, and then he seems to favor left arms somehow. I guess because I'm always sitting with my right arm on an edge. Um, but he, he he likes to to get a hold of that left arm, and he gets a little bitey on the shoulders. So what you're saying is he likes to screw the left. Good for him. <laughs> He's already showing conservative tendencies. Indeed. So, uh, so yeah, but uh, this this is great. Yeah, uh, Wilson the Wonder Doodle has a new friend, Oliver. Yes, I'd say we should have uh, playdates with all the, all the animals, but Bosco would not like that. No, no. no. Oliver, Oliver. He is not a fan. Matter of fact, can we take him up to Shively Animal Clinic for his uh, various uh, things? So, like, he had a growth right here. I don't know if you guys remember I told yes, you that. Yes, yes. He had it removed, so it is gone. Looking um, good, buddy. Looking good. He uh, then sprained his, his leg. On Christmas Day, oh. we were out on the the deck here playing, and so we took him in to make sure there wasn't something wrong. But it, it wasn't tender like you know he didn't break anything. Yeah. But when we go there, he is far more interested. Although last couple of years you couldn't because they make you sit in your car. Yeah. Uh, he's always been far more interested in the people there rather than the animals. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. He is like he will ignore the animals entirely. He, Wilson. Love to play with the vet assistants. Oh, sorry. You move forward. I can't quite reach you if you move forward. So, guys, uh, let's wrap this up. Oh, here. yeah. Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. The, <laughs> That's right. The, so, the non-answer answer to your question is, I don't think we can know what he would have done with his craft. Well, that's a fair question, and, and I did acknowledge that. Yeah, because, again... At the time of his death, he could still get away with playing the action roles. Yes. 50 can play 40 in Hollywood. Yeah, so... But that would have been the break point moving forward. What would he have done? Yeah. I personally think, yes, he could have taken on anything he wanted to, been a success, 
could have moved into the same kind of roles that Eastwood moved into. Again, things like Bridges of Madison County or, or whatever. Yeah, those, those uh, are not bad. He, he would not have had to have been relegated to strictly the... Gruff police captain. The, yes, or, or you know the authority figure senator roles. Well, I, th- I think there's. I think you hit some. Again, uh, as right as he would have been for Pelt or somebody like that. He's not. He's he he's could have creating his anything. own vehicles. Yeah, Eastwood's not. Eastwood is not starring in any other other movies that he's not the star of. Well, he's also he'll direct you know, them, he, but he won't. He's, he won't star. Eastwood rarely, uh, when he was still working, obviously, was doing anything that wasn't. Produced or directed by himself, period. That's right. And, yeah, which, you know, he got to the point where, and he's a damn good director. He is. He's I mean, he very is good amazing. Director, yes. He's directed so many right. of them, and he I, is. I, I, there's a craft guy for you, not just the actor, yeah. but the director. I, I don't know that McQueen would have went there, but I think he could have done. Again, being a, when you get to that point, it's your vehicle. He's an elder statesman. He could have done whatever he wanted. Yeah. He probably would have mixed in a few of these authority figure supporting roles with a few. Elder lead type small film roles. Maybe he would have like done. Yeah, he, he could have done Paul Newman kind of stuff too. Yeah, uh, um, you know, and maybe he would have done what Paul Newman did and got more fully into racing because you know that was a big love. Sure. Oh so, yes. so, yeah, you know, he, he, he could have. He'd have done more than that. He could have. You know, maybe he would have done his own uh, dressing. Yeah, I mean Newman Haas versus McQueen racing in open wheel. Uh, Indy 500. It definitely could have happened. Oh yeah. He, uh, so I think, McCoy, and they were rivals anyways. Yeah, you know, friendly rivals. Yeah. He could have been anything he wanted. I think he was that good. Um, I, one thing I cannot see him doing, not that that uh, Clint Eastwood or uh, uh, Paul Newman did this, but you know, never would have seen him being the ubiquitous guest star on. The Love Boat and Fantasy Island and those sorts of things. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. that's yeah. about the only thing. Which is a shame because you know what? I think he would, would have made a pretty good uh, Mr. Rourke. Interesting. I, I that. don't think he would have ever went back to television. No, no, I don't think he would have either. But you know that mysterious uh, yeah. character. You know, I love Ricardo Montalban. Yeah, love him, but. Yes, right. with his rich Corinthian letters. Yes, rich so, Corinthian so I think the answer is we don't know where he could have taken his craft, but at the time, he I, speculate. I now. think he was, he was at the height. He was as good an American actor as there was. But again, though, not necessarily the breadth. Yeah, uh, it, it wasn't there yet. Yet, but and you know, there's not a whole lot of guys that have the breadth that Chuck Heston had. Yeah, as early as he did. So yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe it's not fair to compare him yeah, to too many. Heston's not coming up as a TV Western guy. Yeah, kind of didn't pigeonhole him. Well, right. because, he came, yeah. well, he also didn't grow up or spend all that formative time in California. He only went there after he decided to get into yeah. movies. Yeah, you know, he was in theater and t- early TV in New York. Yeah, and that's where you did that stuff. You only went out to California to do theater. Or to do movies. Yeah. Whereas now you've got California and do television. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, part of that's their, their location. Yeah. But both Midwest guys, you know. Very much, yeah. Chuck in Michigan and... and uh, uh, it's it's and, interesting that their paths never crossed, really, in a film. It is, yeah. Um, but, I, you know, again, they were both the 400-pound gorilla. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, their paths never really crossed with John Wayne. He's another 400-pound gorilla. That's right. Yeah, there's not a whole so. lot of... You know, not too many big names could really share a stage with John Wayne. Yeah, that's right. Uh, even later in his career, 
Although, you know what? He could have done the Bruce, Scar- uh, Bruce Stern uh, figure and be the guy who killed... In uh, Cowboys? Yeah. In... Uh, I don't, know, I don't know if he wanted to play the villain. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Don't, yeah. Yeah. And Bruce Dern was... That was I mean, that would be like the only he could take yeah. in a John Wayne film would be yeah. the guy opposite him. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, in The Shootist, uh, and of course, um, Jimmy Stewart is the doctor. Mm-hmm. That could have worked for McQueen as well. Um, yeah, you know, think about, so think about those... So, uh, what kind of... Of films could he have done that a Jimmy Stewart or a Henry Fonda might have done? Well, those guys might have been too old to. You know, they are, they are live. Older, but I mean, what kind of roles did they do that he might have been able to do? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. What? Don't so start. let's let's wrap up and finish up. I'm just again, we usually ask why is this person a hero or someone we should personal? Know. Yeah, because uh, I always challenge Francis on that, and since this one's mine, I'll have to go again. This. He was so cool. He this anti-authoritarian type person, yet not cruel about it, not mean and vicious about it, mm-hmm. but just. I'm not going to talk about what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do it, and it's going to be cool. So that's I can see that. I can see that for you. Yeah, it's so cool. Something to makes him a real hero for us. So. Lots of enjoyment. Yep. In his movies. So let's finish this up, guys. And Francis, what's next, buddy? Rock and roll bands. That's what we're going back to. Rock and roll to Electric Boogaloo. Yes, yes. that's right. Electric Boogaloo. Yep, we're going <laughs> to do it again. We talked about it once. We discovered, you know, there's a lot more to talk about here. So pop culture next time, we're going to talk about bands. You know, whatever we want to talk about. Uh, there's a lot to cover there, but we know you'll enjoy it. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week, same snake time, same otter channel.